0: Welcome to Oakland Plaza Talks, created by the Hispanic Theological Initiative. Each episode focuses on a topic that matters to you, whether you're in the field, the academy, or the clergy. Today we have a conversation with Dr. Mariana Alessandri, Hector Herrera, and myself, Stephen Trolio, on migration and the southern border. This was a recording from 2019, but it remains relevant and informative today. For more information about today's talk, go to hciopenplaza.org. Welcome to Open Plaza Podcast. My name is Stephen Echorleo, and today I'm joined by Mariana Alessandri, Assistant Professor of Philosophy at the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, and with Hector Herrera, a colleague of mine. Welcome, Mariana.
1: Thank you for having me. So today we are here to talk about uh, immigration, and especially now in our current political uh, climate, uh, especially with the news of the separation from parents and uh, from their children in detention centers, um, we're here to, uh, to talk about it and its implications on the ground near border towns. So we're uh, interested and curious and want to know more about your experience with this community.
2: So I live in McAllen, Texas, which is now in the news um, since, you know, they they had posted the photos of what it's like in the detention centers. Um, But this story is really goes back all the way to 2014 when the first influx of immigrants started coming in and people didn't know why. And it was all very new. And um, so in McAllen. You can access the border um, by going south to this landmark called the Hidalgo Pump House. And it also happens to be where you can see the wall. So it's at once this, like, beautiful, you know, um, kind of preserved pump house that used to spread the water to all of the valley. and um, But now it's, it's a border. Mm. So now it looks like... Um, you're just walking. It's also kind of a bird sanctuary. We have a lot of these mm-hmm. bird sanctuaries. So you'll be walking along. It's this beautiful, beautiful kind of brush land. And then there's a wall. So it's, it's a juxtaposition. You used to be able to walk through the wall. Um, and I still take people there when they come visit because you really get a sense for the juxtaposition. And, and you'll walk around and you'll see like old wooden ladders just on the ground, you know? And so it's a kind of a game where, you know, the immigrants will come in, they'll make the ladders. They construct them, they use them, and then the Border Patrol have to take them away. So it's like you just see kind of both sides of it, and you're walking both sides of it. So you're, you're in this terrain, and you see the birds flying over the wall. And that's mm. really, those are the most uh, amazing images to me, because mm-hmm. the birds don't care yeah. what the wall is. And so you have this beautiful thing, and then you have Border Patrol telling you to be careful. But you're allowed to walk on it. So yeah. you're free to walk on it. You can talk to them. They're very nice, but it also is, they're trying to tell you that it's, you know, dangerous for you, you know? So it's kind of both. And you get that sense being there really helps you get that sense of, you know, what's going on down there. Yeah. One of the things reading
0: the article that you sent us, I I was trying to picture in my head, the geography, and I think you did a very good uh, description of that. But this whole Rio Grande Valley is like, it's pretty extensive area.
2: Yeah. And I didn't think that people, that a lot of immigrants came in where I would walk because it didn't look like that. I would go in broad daylight. I didn't see a bunch of immigrants walking around. So one time I did get to talk to the Border Patrol and he said, no, this is exactly where they come. (laughs) Like they come day and night. Like they just happen not to be here now. I've never seen an immigrant come in while I, while I'm there, but they cross the river at that point on a raft and they turn themselves in. So there's a lot of myths about how the immigrants Mm -hmm. get apprehended. Yeah. There's like a lot of misunderstandings. Um, so when they come in, they're looking to turn themselves in. So they're not getting like arrested. They're not getting found. They're not sneaking in at all. And in fact, the border patrol know that they put their SUV like in plain sight to try to get them to turn away or to try to say, we're here, you know, like we will give you water. We will help you. So it's, um... It's not as antagonistic as it sounds or in my imagination as it might be in Arizona or something where it Mm. seems to be a little more hostile. In South Texas, it's more like, okay, like here you're trying to do something and our job is to kind of help you. You know, I just saw a photo this morning of a Border Patrol carrying a four year old girl who was sick. Right. They're not heartless. And also half my students are like not half. But I kind of joke that half of my students are training to be Border Patrol and the other Mm -hmm. half are um, undocumented. So it's like I have both in my classes. So I have love for both. Right. I don't everyone. All of my students have a Border Patrol in their family. They're not the enemy. That's for sure. So they come over and they get processed. So they're not arrested. They turn themselves in. They get processed and then they get released to the Humanitarian Respite Center, which is now in its fourth location. They just moved again. Um, And this is in McAllen. That's in McAllen. Yeah.
0: How big is McAllen?
2: Oh, um, small
0: th- town, large.
2: No, it's large. I think it's 50,000. But with the surrounding, mm. we're a lot. I don't know the number, but we're huge. That's why the, the valley is kind of a, an entity unto itself. It has a bunch of little um, cities or mid-sized cities. Mm. But we count it as one because you kind of don't. There's not big differences between the cities, you know. Mm-hmm. So we're, we have the same sort of soul in all the cities. Um, and then once they get released, so the Border Patrol um, processes them and then takes them to the respite center. And when they're at the respite center, b- by that point, they are legally in the country. Mm. They're not illegals, right? So they are here. They have someone to go to. They're being released. Um, and usually it's people with children, father with a child or, or a mother with children. Um, they're being released to go unite with family, and they get a bus ticket. And because the respite center was right near the bus station, which it is again now, Um, It's convenient to drop them at the respite center. There's a great working relationship between Sister Norma and the Border Patrol. They call them and say, we're going to bring, you know, a van load of 200 or 800 these days um, at a time. And then when it's time for their bus to leave, then they go. But at the respite center, so they come in and at the respite center, which has been open since 2014, which was that first surge of immigrants from the Northern Triangle, which is um, Honduras, El Salvador, and um, Guatemala, Guatemala. they come in and the the volunteers applaud for them. Mm. And it's the first time probably that they see a friendly face, Mm. someone who's kind of rooting for them, someone who's on their side, someone who says, this is huge, because this is mothers with children, right? These are brave, brave, brave people who have suffered a lot, who are doing a lot for the sake of their children. Um, risking death and, and all kinds of um, horrible things that happen to them. And so at the respite center, they offer them a shower. They give them clothes, um, not necessarily new, but new to them. Um, sometimes shoes, if they have them, if there's donations are up. Soup, hygiene products, you know, deodorant. And um, it's so beautiful. And when Sister Nordma first thought of doing this... Um, they kind of, someone was walking around and they asked, what are you doing, Sister Norma? What are you, why are you, like, what does this amount to? What, you know, how is this helping? What is this doing? And she just looked at them and she said, we're restoring human dignity. Mm-hmm. And I looked today on her Twitter handle, which is Pimentel, It says, um, it shows a, a, a photo of these like happy faces of these little kids and it says these kids are transformed right they come in crying they come in dirty they come in super scared and by the end you know because they have time there they have food they have love like they're playing again because kids love to play and so it's this beautiful transformation within you know a few hours of restoring that dignity of making them feel human again and um that's the kind of work that we want to do and the kind of work that we want to support so that other people can support the Respite Center.
0: You've mentioned Sister Norma by name. Who is Sister Norma? How did you get to know her? How did that all happen?
2: So Sister Norma Pimentel is a missionary of Jesus. Um, She was born in the border, and she was born before there was a wall. Um, She was born to Mexican parents, but she was born on, on the US side. Um, She's now the executive director of Catholic Charities in the RGV. So she was sort of tasked with this. And when the immigrants first started coming in that surge, it was the mayor who actually called her and said, can you do something? Because they're just at the bus station in 200s and 300s and the buses can't go out fast enough. We couldn't get like people out. So they were just kind of there overnight sleeping in the bus station. So the mayor called her and said, can you help? And she said, yeah, she had experience um, from working in Brownsville doing similar stuff years prior, but never to this scale. Yeah. Um, So I met her. I think I just heard about her work. A friend of mine came down who was working with Save the Children and said, you know, we have to go there. And um, so... I went with her and i saw in the first place was called sacred heart church which a lot of people still think it's in sacred heart but it's not um and you know you just saw the stations here's the clothes here's you know in different um and every time you go it's in a kind of a different uh state of disarray like sometimes it's it's you know you can tell how many people are coming across like if it's very clean and neat you're like oh it's low right the numbers are low because we have people to like man all the stations you know but um
0: i think one of the things that i read in the presentation that it was like 470 something in one day that
2: was in 2014 now it's 800 wow. it's up to 800 a day yeah yeah and they'll come it used to be that they would come in two ship two like um bus loads or two um i don't know what you call it yeah yeah but now they are coming in more sometimes they'll arrive at like 7 p.m so just when a volunteer is kind of going to go home there's like another 300 people coming who all need help you know and so um, I wanted to get to know her. I mm-hmm. wanted to say, like, why are you doing this? Like, what is this for? Like, besides the restoring human dignity, what's your, because she's Catholic, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is your theology? So I went to talk to her and try to interview her for my research. And um, she's very kind of s- s- skim on the, on the outright theology. And it, she makes it so beautifully simple. Mm-hmm. She just says, um, we're helping the immigrants because they're human beings made in the image of God. And she just takes you to such a human level, and she just says they need to get cleaned uh, and fed so that they can continue their journey, right? And and I, I've seen a lot of interviews with her, and she just says, this is a reality. This isn't politics, right? This is a reality, these are human beings. All you have to do is go there and see. And we have tons of people who come from out of um, out of the city, right, to come down for a week, to do mission trips, to bring people, and they all have these, like, life-changing experiences, because they think they're just going to help, but you just see, like, how can you not help another person, you know, especially these children?
0: How does she navigate that? Because especially right now, the climate it is to politicize that crisis.
2: Yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. She says, I am not political. And I have to laugh at her. I'm like, of course you're political. Mm. And she just says, no, um, I I know the Border Patrol have to do their job. And she said, the head of the Border Patrol is my best friend. And the mayor is my best friend. And, like, I don't... I don't try to get in their way. Like I don't, I never attack them. That was one of the things she said, I never attacked them. Hmm. And I hmm. thought that was amazing because in our culture, we're so polarized and everyone's yelling at each other and everyone hates each other. And she just has this very godly spirit, in my opinion. Hmm. It's just beautiful and, and it's effective too. So she keeps her cool and she just says, you know, these are human beings and we need to help. You need to do your job and I need to do my job. And I don't think we're necessarily at odds. We do have to figure out a way to... Um, do something to, you know, with our country and the border. But like, I don't know what that is. She said, that's mm-hmm. not my job to figure that out. My job is only to minister to human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, she says uh, her motivation is to defend and protect life. Mm-hmm. And she says we help people see the humanity in people. So when volunteers come or when any, you know, politicians come, I have just read that the first ladies of Guatemala and Honduras came and to the respite center and it's just like just to show like this is what we're doing this isn't so it's easy to talk about it when you're not here but when you go there and you see you're like oh right this is humanity again Mm -hmm. and she said she did that for the um the border patrol too when she went in she was one of the first people let into the detention centers when it was first happening and she got in she says because i'm a nun they let me in she says i want to pray with them so they let her in the cage and she was praying with all these um Tiny, tiny, tiny kids who are crying, and they said, no puedo respirar, I can't breathe. Um, Help me. Help me get out of here. I can't stay here. Like, I can't do this. And she was just kind of crying and praying with them, and then the border patrol were crying, and they said, thank you, Sister Norma, for making me see the humanity in these kids. Because I think when you're just processing and processing, Mm -hmm. you kind of are just doing your job, and you kind of have to get desensitized to it, or else you'll just be heartbroken all the time. But it's really good to remember that they're human beings and I think more people should come visit and more people should just see and we should kind of get rid of that rhetoric that they're just trying to
0: demystify the yeah, construct.
2: Yeah. And lately in her interview, she's saying um, they're they're not coming here. Um, you know, the, the typical rhetoric like steal our jobs. You know, she's mm. like, no, they're coming here for protection. They want protection from violence they want to stay alive right so it's not about giving their kid a better life it's about giving their kid a life mm. because there's a real threat of death if they stay in their country and so they're coming here for asylum and um so i just think she does a really good job of not really um getting into the political sphere and i mm. think she's right to take it away she's not going to go for talking points she's not mm. going to like fuel the debate she's just going to say come come look and and that's what mother teresa said i mean she gets compared to mother teresa a lot but mother teresa's big line was come and see i don't want mm. your money you come and see you come and see and i think sister norma's that way too she wants people to to come and see and once you come and see you realize that they're not these are not scary people these are not criminals you know etc
1: mm. and you see sister norma as an example of the catholic church being a a A voice for radical hope. Yeah. Um, How has that affected seeing it, talking to her? How has that affected your own work?
2: I mean, I think it's amazing. I think it's very, very, very helpful and useful for people who are struggling with Catholicism. Because Mm. with the sex scandals, it's very easy to leave and just say, I can't do this. This is terrible. This is beyond redemption. But you see Pope Francis. You see Sister Norma. You see like Father Greg Boyle in California and you just say, oh, that's Catholic, too. Right? This is Catholic, too. And so I think you can um, as a Catholic, you can find pockets to say, oh, um, the Catholic Church is doing an amazing thing. They're very vocal. I find it to be like, a, you know, a really clear stance on immigration and not just because the people who are coming in are Latinx and they're going to fill the pews, right? That's the typical answer. But I don't think it's that. I think it's, they really do care about life. This is defend life in all of its um, instantiations. And I think that some people have accused, you know, um, Trump as like not being pro-life because um, how could you be if you're not respecting these lives here? And I think that there's a point there, like she's respecting all life. And I, I think she's just also just downright biblical. I mean, when I wrote this paper, it was for a conference on welcoming the, the, the stranger, and so if you read Genesis 18, 1 to 3, you know, it tells the story of Abraham who was visited by the immigrants. And it says, The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre in the heat of the day while he was still sitting at the entrance to his tent. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. My Lord said, Abraham, if I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. And so not only are we supposed to, like, open our tent for these immigrants, but we're supposed to bow to them. Yeah. Like, that's the applause to me is like, wow, you are here and you're gracing me with your presence. So it's a kind of opposite rhetoric.
0: Almost flipping it up yes. on its own
2: head. Yes, is we are lucky to be able to serve you, right? The Catholic Church, I think, is a church of service. We're supposed to be. Mm. And so to be able to say, wow, thank you. Like, I am I'm here to serve you and I'm here to do something for you. I'm lucky that you're here, you know. And then Paul reminds us of that same story in Hebrews thirteen twelve, when he says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people, Abraham, uh, has uh, shown hospitality to angels without knowing it, right? So it's just thinking of these people, uh, like, furthest far, thing from angels, but uh, from criminals, but they're angels, mm. you know? And then Matthew twenty five thirty four, you know, the famous parable of the goats and the sheep, I was hungry and he gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and he gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. I mean, it just doesn't get any clearer if we're just going to be straight with reading the Bible and not trying to um, take it to a different level, right, but actually think about what it would mean to enter the kingdom of God,
0: right? I guess the disconnect or the, the difficulty is how do we get— that experience that someone who goes and visit this respite center feels and kind of that radical change that you've talked about to the person who can experience that, but maybe identifies as uh, a a Christian.
2: Um, I mean, I think there are a lot of videos and I think even Mm. watching the videos, even looking at the photos, like you look at these people and they're very vulnerable. Like they're not at all. um, I think it's, the failure to look is when you can conceive of them as criminals. Mm. I think if you look um, and if you are, allow yourself to meterse adentro, right, to get into it, then you will see it. Even if you don't travel all the way to McAllen. I mean, they are everywhere, too. I mean, I flew to Newark from McAllen and there was there's always immigrants on my plane to Houston or Dallas. But there were also immigrants to Newark. So I feel like wherever you're going, you can see because they have the envelope that says I do not speak english which i think is given by the respite center um and you know you can help them you can talk to them Mm -hmm. um i mean i wouldn't pry into their story because i think that happens a lot like people kind of go too far and cross boundaries but um just to notice that this is happening in the middle of the rest of our like kind of relative privilege yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's here. I've just read a story about a man who, who carries around stuffed animals when he goes on the plane because and he gives them to the little kids hmm. that he sees that are immigrants because it's like one little toy makes the biggest difference in someone's life who's scared right? he doesn't know where they're going to go. They, they often don't have anything but a phone number, backpack and a phone number. And you could help them. You can call the person that they're trying to meet with. You can. There's something that everyone can do. You don't have to come down to McAllen. But also you can donate. Um, Amazon, Sister Norma has a wish list on Amazon. You can find mm-hmm. it, Catholic Charities RGV, on Amazon. You can donate because it shows exactly what they need. Sometimes people donate things that they don't need mm-hmm. or that they're trying to get rid of, and that's not really what they need. They need specific things, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can look at the Amazon wish list, and people are buying there constantly, like locals and, and everybody. So there are a lot of things in place where you can donate and it's like you know i don't know what the statistics are but it feels like 100 percent of the money goes to them right like no one's benefiting Mm. no one's like profiting off of this they're actually giving it all to these people and i think that it's just real life and i think that if we're not in it right now while it's happening we're gonna wake up one day and say where were we what why were we not paying attention to this thing where people are i think it was yesterday a woman and her three children died after they crossed so they got all the way across and then they died on the border in like, you know, south of where I live. And it's like people are dying in the shelters, you know, and I think that there's more that we can do. Certainly, you know, politically, but even apolitically, even if you don't agree with them, I think that the, the place we can all come together is at the children. Like we can all agree that the children have no fault in this, and that we have to help kids because they're kids. And when I think about my, you know, five-year-old, if he is away from me, if, if he was stripped away from me, that would Scare the hell out of him and me, and like, you know. But th- these kids are even smaller than that, and so I think there's a lot that we can do, even if we're not down in McAllen, where I live, or on the border.
0: I was really touched at the the presentation. You have a picture of Veronica Gabriela Cardenas, and I think it's called Four Hundred Souls or something, and it's a image in front of uh, the respite center, right? Or is that the detention that's, yeah, center? Yeah,
2: no, no, that's the first respite center, Sacred Heart. And there's mm-hmm.
0: all these shoes. Yeah, traveling soul. soul all these, of it. all these shoes and sandals and flip flops and, and then I went onto her website and I started reading it. You can't help but be moved by some of the stories.
2: Yeah, she's an amazing photographer.
0: From all across yeah. Latin America, you know, and I and and that was a, a great way to visualize. No, these are people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These are humans. This is this is a situation that is happening right now.
2: And the magnitude. I mean, she took those 433 shoes to D.C. and oh. she would set them up in all these different places. Like, really, the magnitude of it. And now that it's doubled, it's really beyond imagination. But you can get a sense for it. You can get a sense that these are people. And the tiny shoes really impact mm. you because it's like, what would it take? Sister Norma always does this. She says, why would a woman with three kids leave her home and, like, go t- through a treacherous journey to get to the U.S. Like something must be seriously horrible for her to do that. And so nobody wants to leave their country, right? This is a big Catholic church, like, um, you know, a starting point is no one wants to leave, right? This is not, they, you only leave out of poverty. You only leave when things are really bad. In this case, it's violence. You don't want to leave. They mm-hmm. And they really love their countries, you mm-hmm. know, and they miss their countries and they wish they could live in their countries, but it's impossible for them. So we have to make it, such that, you know, we have to fix all the big problems in the world, right? We don't o- only have to fix the border. We also have to fix, get, figure out what's going wrong in those countries, you know, um, which she, again, has no opinion on, right? It's, she's not metiéndose a donde no debe. Like, she doesn't know. Like, I'm not going to make conjectures. She's not getting
0: into the place where she shouldn't.
2: Yeah. Like, I, she says, all I'm here is that there's a person in front of me. She's, it's very like Jesus like there's just a person in front of me I'm not I'm not asking why you don't visit the prisoner it doesn't say you visit the prisoner in prison if he was innocent right mm-hmm. like he means you you visit the guilty you visit the murderers you visit people you, you the the actual Christian way is to not ask right Jesus didn't say ask for someone's papers like you help them and that's all there is to it and it's very beautiful and it's very clean and you don't have to be a politician if you're not a politician right Leave that to the politicians see what they can do about it. But for us, just as lay people, just human beings, it seems like there's a lot we can do just in terms of aid and humanity. And this idea, I really like this idea from Glennon Doyle. She says, there's no such thing as other people's children. And I always remember that, right? Other people's children are my children. Like, that's my child. You know, there's no such thing as other people's children. If we can just think like that, then we can realize that we're all in it together. We have to be a community or we're sacrificing a bit of our own humanity for that
0: well thank you so much professor alessandri for your time we thank you and we is there any way we could i know you mentioned um that amazon maybe we can in the description have some more information but Mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming today thank you so much for having me we really appreciate it okay This has been an HTI production. For more information, visit us at htiopenplaza.org. The Hispanic Theological Initiative provides Open Plaza as a public service. The views expressed by the guests are their own. Their appearance on this program or any reference to a specific product or entity they represent does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by HTI.